On Monday, March 9th, students at Amherst College in Massachusetts got some surprising news. Students have been told not to return to campus after spring break next week. Instead, the school's going to shift to online learning. This as the college tries to avoid spreading the coronavirus. The college's president, Biddy Martin, said there are no reported cases of coronavirus on campus, but they understand that many students will travel during spring break and, quote, no matter how hard we try to discourage it, the risk of having Hundreds of people return from their travels to the campus is too great. Some students were not happy with the decision. Sending everybody home, right, telling us that we have to leave unless we get a petition approved is solving a different problem and a problem that we don't think exists. Across the country, college administrators face a tough choice. Keep campus open or switch everything to online. UCLA just announced it is canceling in-person classes starting tomorrow because of virus concerns. And that move comes after Harvard University is all but shutting down its campus, telling students the rest of the semester will be taught online. Along with in-person classes, all campus events scheduled within the next 30 days will be postponed. Not only USF, but the University of Tampa is also taking steps to move courses online. In a statement... Some schools have decided to keep campus and classrooms open, at least for now. You have to weigh the risk of the virus itself, which in this particular age group is not a high risk when in terms of serious illness or mortality against the consequences of sending them off campus. From APM Reports, this is Educate. I'm Stephen Smith. I'm reporting to you from my dining room table because I'm working from home like so many people around the country. As more colleges and universities close their classrooms, students' lives get complicated. But the hardships caused by the closures fall more heavily on some students than others. And beyond that, administrators are wondering how the coronavirus pandemic will change their schools, maybe forever. I'm speaking to you this evening about the rapid spread of the COVID-19 virus. Amherst College President Biddy Martin released a video on Monday, March 9th, explaining her decision to close the campus. The school's in a small town in Massachusetts and has about 1,900 students. We learned today from medical experts that we have passed the point at which the virus can be contained, and we're now in a period when we need to do everything we can to mitigate its spread and its effects. We know there are students who will need to be on campus through the semester who don't have other places where they can be. Those students will be able to petition to stay on campus through the semester, but those of you who need to stay here will also need to be here through spring break. The travel during spring break is one of the greatest risks that we're trying to mitigate. After the news that their campus would close, Amherst students Cole Graber Mitchell and Ronan Rodkey published an opinion piece in the Washington Post. They took issue with the school's decision to tell students to leave campus. Historically, what they've said is this is a home for students. We have all of these resources to make people feel welcome to sort of allow this to be a, a sanctuary uh, in particular for first-generation low-income students. And now they're just evicting all of us. That's Ronan Rodkey. He's a sophomore sociology major. Uh, a lot of people here don't have homes to go back to or don't have healthy homes or welcoming homes or stable homes to go back to. This is Cole Graber-Mitchell. He's a sophomore studying math and law. 
People don't have personal technology. We rely on what's here on campus to get our work done. So a general eviction is kind of our, our biggest complaint. That seems ill thought out and ill considered. Mm-hmm. And so in our view, sending everybody home, right, telling us that we have to leave unless we get a petition approved is kind of not, it's solving a different problem and a problem that we don't think exists. Um, it would have been easy for them to say, all classes are moved online, so we're, we're going to limit that transmission. We're going to make all these changes at the dining hall, which they've, they've already made, uh, to limit transmission there. And anybody who leaves for spring break can't come back. That's a much different thing to tell people a week before spring break than everybody has to leave during spring break. So we think that would have been a, a better a better choice, or at least looking at options that don't include evicting every student on campus. Um, I and a lot of other students who come from urban areas are going to go back, go through transportation hubs, probably get exposed to this virus at some point, and then go back to their communities, interact with even more vulnerable people, and put strains on, on healthcare systems in places like New York City, like LA, that are even less prepared um, than what we have locally at Amherst College to, to deal with this. It's extremely difficult to give up the close colloquy and the intense intellectual exchange of an in-person environment, even temporarily. Our goal is simply to keep this community as safe as possible while also allowing students to complete their coursework for the semester and continue getting a great Amherst education. Yeah, when I think about the next couple of months, I'm really unsure about what it's going to look like. My class schedule is largely unchanged, so I know I'll be on Zoom for multiple hours each day, but none of my routine exists anymore. Uh, There's a pattern of life that I live here that enables me to get my work done, uh, it enables me to stay on top of everything I have to do. And so I'm a little bit worried. I don't know how that's going to change. I don't know if I'll be able to take the classes that I'm still taking um, and do well in them and learn all that I'm supposed to learn. I also, it's, it's weird. I mean, I have no more extracurriculars. I have no more friends to hang out with. Uh, so I don't really know what my life will look like. It might be a lot of Netflix and YouTube and uh, Zoom. Well, let me begin by saying that none of us has perfect wisdom about how to proceed right now. This is Brian Rosenberg, president of McAllister College in St. Paul, Minnesota. Some 2,200 students attend McAllister. I think none of us is in a position to criticize the decision that any institution makes. What we've tried to do here is to, first of all, follow very closely guidance from the Minnesota Department of Health, which we think is one of the best departments of health in the country, and to balance the various pluses and minuses of sending people away and keeping them here. Rosenberg has made the decision to keep the campus open for the time being. We talked on Thursday, March 12th. There are unintended consequences of sending students away uh, that could in some cases be worse than keeping them here. So in our case, for instance, we have a student body that is 15% international. uh, And the majority of those students either won't be able to go home 
uh, or if they go home, they won't be able to come back, or, or they may be going to places with whose healthcare systems are not nearly as good as the healthcare system here. Uh, about 15 to 20 percent of our domestic students are Pell Grant recipients. A lot of those students will go to homes where there might not be Wi-Fi uh, to learn remotely, or, or again, where they might not have access to the kind of health care they have here. For many of our students, we are their primary health care and mental health provider. Uh, and so you have to weigh the risk of the virus itself, which in this particular age group uh, is not a high risk when, in terms of serious illness or mortality. Uh, against the consequences of sending them off campus. And so what we've said is that if you would prefer to complete the rest of your semester remotely, uh, you may do so, uh, and we will accommodate you. Uh, if you would prefer after spring break to come back and complete your semester here, uh, you may do that as well. We've extended spring break by a week to give our faculty time to prepare adequately to teach remotely. It's not something that you just do at the drop of a hat. And even with two weeks preparation, I think we have to acknowledge that it is going to be, in many cases, suboptimal. Uh, but we thought that it was the most responsible thing to do pedagogically in terms of providing the best possible education for our students uh, to give faculty some time to prepare. So we've extended spring break for a week, and then we've said to students, you may come back or you may... You may stay at home or wherever you happen to travel to. So you could be in a situation where faculty are teaching some students in the classroom and some online? Correct. So um, there are tools available. Uh, Zoom seems to be the one that's most popular now. Uh, that would allow a faculty member to simultaneously teach in a classroom and also be accessible to a student uh, off campus. It is with, without question the case that this will vary a lot by discipline. And that's true whether you go to an entirely remote model or a partially remote model. It's obviously going to be much easier for someone conducting a microeconomics lecture or a small discussion about great expectations to do that remotely than it will be for someone who teaches a painting class or a dance class or a chemistry lab. How ready is the faculty to take on the idea of actually, you know, running classes online? To be totally honest, they're not very ready. And, I, and it's not their fault. They've never been asked to do it. And I think any college like McAllister that is, that is almost exclusively residential that claims that their faculty are ready to go with a day or two or even a week or two of training uh, is kidding themselves. Uh, I think we're going to do the best we can. Uh, I think that we are... Um, we're going to make sure that every faculty member knows how to use the technology. We're running training sessions through our Center for Scholarship and Teaching. Uh, but I think we just have to acknowledge that uh, we're going to be figuring out as we go along. And learning teaching on the job is typically not when you do your best teaching. So I think it'll be okay. Uh, but I don't think it will be as good as what we would normally deliver in a classroom setting. In most cases, I think there will certainly be particular classes and particular teachers who nail this. Uh, but I think it would be, it would be um, misleading to suggest that we will be just as good at delivering an online education as we would be at delivering an in-person education.
So what's the trigger? What would cause you to go entirely to online and move people off campus, as has happened at so many other institutions? We would never, I think, and most of these institutions would never be in a position where we tell everyone you have to leave. We would always remain uh, a home for students who essentially have no place else to go. Uh, There are a couple of things, I think, that might um, trigger a change to essentially a full remote model. Uh, One would be if so many students exercise the option to learn remotely that it no longer really made educational sense to have a kind of hybrid model. You know, if 80% of our students decide we're just going to go home and do it remotely, we'd probably just say, all right, even if you're living on campus, we're going to go to remote models. Uh, the other and, and more likely scenario would be if we had an outbreak of COVID-19 actually on our campus. Uh, because on a, on a college campus of this size, and on most college campuses, it is virtually impossible to quarantine or self-isolate any number of students. So I think at that point, uh, we would probably say, all right, we're going to go to a a full online model for all those who don't have to remain here. Do you have students who are in dangerous areas now, uh, infected areas that might want to come back to campus, and, and are you allowing them? So we, we do, by and large, the answer is no. Uh, we have no students in China. Uh, we, um, we have no students in Japan. Uh, we had one student in South Korea earlier in the semester, and that student has left and gone home, uh, not come back to campus. Uh, we do have a few students in programs in Italy, uh, and for now they have been told, as long as those programs are operating, just to stay put. Uh, I think that uh, were those students to come home at this point, they would not come back to campus. Um, The programs in places like Italy that are closing down are giving students the option to complete their semester remotely. So we would expect them to go home and complete their semester remotely and not come back to campus. The the new issue for us now, given uh, the president's uh, declaration last night regarding Europe, is that there is uh, a kind of a mass panic among students who are studying anywhere in the Schengen zone uh, and their families about what do we do. Uh, And so the advice that we have just, this is all moving very fast, but the advice that we are currently giving to students uh, is that if you are in the Schengen zone right now, we would recommend that you come home because we don't know how long this will be extended. Uh, As far as we know, uh, most of the programs in that area are now giving students the option of completing remotely so they can get credit. Uh, If students are not in the Schengen zone or in another area that is considered um, difficult to return from, for now we are encouraging them to stay put and observe all the guidelines that have been put in place by their programs. What are students telling you and the faculty and the staff about how they feel about all of this? I would say that through last week, uh, the mood among students was quite calm. Uh, And then I think uh, they, like, Pretty much everyone else in the country uh, have had their panic ramp up dramatically during the past week. It's hard to know exactly what triggered it over the weekend. Um, I'm not sure epidemiologically anything changed. 
but as we saw for, from everything from the stock market to shutdowns of professional sports leagues, it, it's as if all of a sudden people started to listen to what the public health people had been saying for weeks, which is this is going to be everywhere. Uh, and so I would describe the mood now as, uh, as, as extremely anxious. And whenever you face, in addition to the anxiety created by the virus itself, I think whenever you face a difficult choice uh, and there's no easy answer, I think we, our tendency is to become anxious. So for a lot of students, the choice of whether to go home or to remain here is a difficult one. What if your home is Tacoma? Uh, what if your home is Boston? What if your home is New York City? Uh, are you better off remaining in Minnesota, where right now there are fewer cases? Are you better off going home? Uh, these are difficult individual decisions for students, and I think that they're creating a lot of anxiety. What are parents and families saying to you? Are you? I, I assume that the phones and the emails are are a flooding. Yes, and as you'd expect, they're saying all kinds of things. So uh, you know, just in the past 24 to 36 hours, I've had parents say, "Please don't make my son come home. I live in Tacoma." And I really would like him to stay at McAllister. Uh, I've had other parents say, uh, you really need to do what other schools have done and go full remote and send my student home. Um, this was before we made the announcement that that was an option. Uh, I've had uh, other parents say, um, you know, sh we live in New York should my son come home over spring break or not? Seniors, uh, this has to be quite a frustrating and frightening and disappointing potential intrusion into their final year, the possibility of commencement not happening. How are you talking with them? Well, you know, I have a special empathy with them because it's my last year. And uh, I can assure you this is not how I expected to be spending my last semester after 17 years at McAllister. And so, in some ways, I am, um, I am very much at home with their disappointment and sadness. Uh, and so, I can empathize. Um, we don't yet know what the world will look like in two months. Um, I think we have to acknowledge that there's a very, very good chance that uh, commencement that resembles anything like a traditional commencement won't happen. Uh, certainly, we can assure them that they will graduate. And we can, there's no student uh, who will not graduate because they, are, they either choose to or are forced to take classes online. Um, we will make sure that they graduate and get on with their lives. Um, but it may well be that all of those special things that one normally associates with the last semester in college up to and including graduation may not take place as normal this year. Uh, and, you know, given the the sacrifices and the challenges that some other people are facing. Um, you know, we have to put that in context. It's a, it's a disappointment. It's sadness. It's real. Um, but compared to someone who is in a hospital on a ventilator or someone who's lost a loved one, we can live with it. And I think that, you know, we will, we will do everything we can uh, if we have to do it remotely. Uh, to recognize our students who are graduating. Uh, and then maybe when this passes, there will be some way to do something special for the class of 2020. 
you know, who knows? Um, but uh, we will certainly we will certainly think hard about that uh, and about trying to adjust uh, what would have been the normal commencement and the normal celebration into something once this passes, because it will pass. I think that fear and anxiety is definitely one component, but then I think there's this also this other strange factor, which is that we're all aware that we are the population that's most likely to, if we contract this virus, to not be life-threatened in any way. And so I think there's this strange moral um, question that we're all facing, which is, do we go home and see our families if we have the possibility to infect them? Um, Do we see people like our grandparents, or when do we see them? That's McAllister senior Amelia Gerard. People like my mom and my dad are worried about commencement. Can our extended family come? Like my grandmother is from Maine and she had bought her tickets to come here and flying is a really big deal for her. And so now she's really nervous um, to come for commencement, which to be honest, might not even happen. Her older professors are also top of mind. If Gerard goes to class, she fears that there's the danger of potentially exposing these professors to the virus if she catches it. But on the other hand, she knows that having them move to remote teaching won't be a smooth transition. Still, given the situation at hand, Gerard believes that her college made the right decision by allowing students to remain on campus. I feel really good about what McAllister has responded so far. I think that McAllister is a place that really prides itself on our inter- on our international population. And um, I think that if you're going to advertise your college as a place that is global um, and has a lot of international students, you need to be able to support them throughout all times. We have a lot of students even across the country, but also of course across the world, who wouldn't necessarily be able to get home. But I feel like this is a really good inclusive approach. We're all pretty relieved that the college has reacted in this way in terms of letting us have mixed classes um, and letting us go home if we want to or stay if we want to. I think the general um, belief was that McAllister was going to shut down like everything because Harvard was doing it and Stanford was doing it. And so we thought that McAllister would do the same. And I think everybody's relieved that we still have the option open to us because I'm a senior and I have been looking forward to this semester pretty much my whole life. And so if McAllister was to just close the doors completely, that would have completely thrown me because I really want to finish my senior semester strong and graduate. Um, And so I think that among my senior friends, we generally had a really relieved reaction, but we also realized like, wow, this is really serious. And in every component of our life, we have to treat this seriously, especially the components that we're leaders on campus. The disruptions to this school year are easy to see, but what about the lasting effects of the pandemic on colleges? McAllister College President Brian Rosenberg says there might be permanent changes to American higher education. We're going to learn some things from this particularly about distance learning. Uh, And, you know, what we may learn is that in some cases it actually works pretty well. 
and that might affect the way colleges think about things going forward because we all know that the chief challenge for higher education right now is bending the cost curve, uh, delivering a high-quality education that's not as expensive. Uh, and if we can figure out a way to do more online, it is possible that that can help with that. We could also find out that online education isn't very good uh, and uh, or needs work in certain areas. So in some ways, whether we like it or not, we're running a real-time experiment in distance learning on a very large scale that we had never imagined. Uh, and I, I like to think that we will learn a lot from that one way or the other. The other thing that I think people need to be aware of is that this, for probably the majority of colleges in the, in the United States, has the potential to be an existentially threatening moment. Because while Amherst, and you'll notice, by the way, that the, most of the colleges that moved most quickly to remote learning were the wealthiest ones because this is going to be very expensive uh, just in refunding room and board alone. Uh, colleges are going to have to give back millions of dollars. And then there are other costs. For instance, if a student is on work study as part of a financial aid package, what do you do? Do you backfill that with grant? So the cost of doing this is going to be enormous. If you're Harvard or you're Amherst, you can afford it. If you're 95% of the colleges and universities in the United States, it's going to be extremely taxing financially. Uh, and then there's the impact on admissions. All of the normal admissions events that are going full swing right now, everything from campus visits to off-campus yield events to spring samplers, most of that's not going to take place. Uh, and you combine that with... Um, with what looks almost certainly like a recession and a, and a stock market collapse, no one r really knows what college admissions for next fall uh, are going to look like. So the anxiety, I think, in higher education transcends the, the anxiety at this moment about the virus and extends to anxiety about admissions and finances going forward. It, it is a it is a challenging moment. Some won't survive. I think that, that that is very likely, that some colleges that are sort of on the precipice now will find that this is the event that, that pushes them over the precipice. That's Brian Rosenberg, president of McAllister College in St. Paul. If you or your entire campus are going online due to the coronavirus and you'd like to share your experience, get in touch with us. We're on Twitter and Facebook at Educate Podcast or send us a note to contact at apmreports.org. This episode was produced by Alex Baumhart, Sabby Robinson, and me, Stephen Smith, with help from Sasha Eslanian, Catherine Winter, and Emily Hanford. It was edited by Chris Julin. We partner with The Heckinger Report, a nonprofit independent news organization focused on inequality and innovation in education. Support for APM Reports comes from Lumina Foundation and the Spencer Foundation. Thanks for listening. This is APM.